Man, it's great to be alive. It's episode five. Moving on slightly from uh, incremental improvements to more incremental improvements. Don't worry, I'm not going to bore you with this the whole incremental improvements concept, but I do want to just briefly mention something. And it's just my own personal experience that has kind of happened by accident with this solo podcast series that I'm doing. I basically got the the idea into my head. Lent was the the catalyst say to say yeah fuck it I can I, that, that give me an end because what's as important as a starting point with a lot of things is an end point so this idea of saying I'm going to do 20 push-ups a day for the rest of my life gets a bit fucking shit you get to like you might do three solid weeks you might do 21 days but it's like okay you know you've done it every day for three weeks here you might skip a day or you skip a day here and it, it, it'll just fizzle out but you say you're going to do 20 push-ups a day or, you know, whatever your thing is, and you put a time limit on it, that means that come 21 days, you're like, fuck it, man, I'm I'm more than halfway through. I've, I'm over the hump. You know, it's better to fucking finish it than give up now. It's like this idea of, you know, swimming three quarters of the way somewhere, getting tired and swimming back. Fuck it, you've, you've, it's easier to finish it than it is fucking, you know, go back. Not a perfect analogy, but you get the sentiment. So that's just that's just one point. The 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 importance of starting, obviously, nothing's more important than starting. Um but putting an end point on something and then reassessing the situation. So maybe you'll get to the end of this forty days and you'll say to yourself, Right, I fucking I did great, I did, you know, I probably did thirty five out of the forty. Right. What's next? Will I up it slightly? Maybe you'll up it slightly. Maybe you'll do more of the same thing. And maybe you should do it for 20 days. Or maybe just maybe run with the 40. Maybe 40 is the right number. The, the, the number will differ for different people, I suppose. But pick a number, not to finish on, or maybe to finish on, but maybe to reevaluate. So at the end of the 40, maybe I'll... And in relation to my own specific podcast, just using that as a, as a kind of a tangible example, maybe I'll get to the end of this 40 days and say, look, it's it's too much... I can't be at this fucking every day. Jesus Christ. It's 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 too much of a strain. Maybe it won't be working from my audience's viewpoint. Maybe it's maybe it's too much. Maybe it's not enough. Maybe they're too long to be daily episodes. Maybe they're too short. You know, what would be better? Would a an hour long one every two days be more beneficial to me and to the audience and to progress what it is that I'm trying to do? Or would what I'm doing, the half hour thereabouts, every day, would that be preferable? Another thought, and I'd like to hear a bit of feedback on this just to see what people think, but another thought that I've had is to not sit down and do a half hour one, but just to sit down and basically dedicate the same amount of time I would to a, a conversation. So, you know, three or four hours, um, which essentially equates to four or five hours between you know, converting it to a video to put it onto YouTube, uploading it in the first place, and, you know, getting the imagery, and just the, the few bits and pieces that I have to do, it's it's fucking time-consuming, in no small part due to how shit I am at doing all this kind of stuff, it's, it, it's all very new. But the idea of setting aside that kind of length of time is that I could sit down and just talk. So do what I've been doing every day for the past couple of days, only don't I, I won't have it in my head to, to finish up in half an hour. I'll have freed up the space in my day to do it for, for say for say two hours. 
So we're just basically going a fucking two hour long rant, which I reckon I could pull off. Uh, <laughs> if the last if the last couple of mornings are to go by, uh, who knew I had fucking so much to say? But anyway, if I was to set aside two hours and do the two hours, but what I might do then is cut it into four half hour chunks. And what I might do is set a timer to go off every 30 minutes. So as I'm recording, a timer will go off. I'll just silence it. But that will kind of keep it in my head, right, I have to wrap this up for the episode. And finish my point and then maybe put a marker on the audio. And then keep talking till the next alarm goes off. I know that I'm conscious that's going off. Put a marker on when I I kind of end it. The idea being that I upload that over four days. And it would almost be like a I suppose like a soap like like Coronation Street or something it would be something that you would have to almost keep up with because I think the people that are really enjoying these conversations are listening to them on a daily basis at least that is what the the kind of analytics would suggest they might be a day behind but they're they're not you know reading the blurb and going oh no I won't bother with that one I'll, I'll catch you know the next one that interests me there's a certain amount of that going on and you know each of their own but the vast majority of people and the people who I'm trying to serve, who are essentially the people who seem to be really getting what it is that I'm trying to do, they're listening on a daily basis. So maybe if it was, maybe if you kind of finished a half hour section, you might be going, oh fuck, what's the, what, what, what's the next bit? Or, you know, and there might be a real enthusiasm, you know, not a, not an artificial enthusiasm, but a amplified or magnified enthusiasm to, I don't know, maybe that's just me fucking with it. But again, the whole point is, by the end of the 40 days, I'll have either gotten feedback from from you guys or I'll have straightened it out in my head a little bit more as to what's the best way to continue. For now, I've said it from the start, I've committed to doing the solo podcast every day, so it's going to be another 36 days of the last four, basically. But this is the incremental improvements that I keep fucking talking about. This is where it's at. It's the... I could have said, right, at the end of the month, I'll have prepared myself and I'll be ready to do a solo podcast. And I put that one up and we'll see how it goes from there. You know, maybe in fucking six months time, I'd have done four solo podcasts as opposed to at the end of the 40 days having done 40. And again, it's just that fucking relentless incremental improvements baby steps that's that's where the improvements at that's where the learning is at that's where the feedback comes in as well because the the more i put out there the more feedback that i can get the better it becomes the more people listen the more people that give me feedback the more improvements that i make and again you're into one of those positive feedback loops so that's incremental improvements kind of put to bed for for now at least positive feedback loops that's something now that I, I could very well end up dedicating the full episode to. The best way of describing that is with a with an analogy. <laughs> I would say that, but uh, the the leaking roof analogy is very good for for describing the positive feedback. And don't let the term positive think that a positive feedback loop is a good thing. And that's implicit in this analogy. Think of a hole in a roof tile on your house. That hole will allow, or cracks it, a small crack. That hole will allow water to seep into your house. Not good. Anyone who's had a leaking roof knows all about fucking drips and Jesus, don't fucking remind me. Anyway, positive feedback loop is you have a crack, you know, a ball jumps up there and, and cracks it or what the fuck ever. 
but it's a small crack and that allows a little bit of water in. But by allowing a little bit of water in, it wears the crack down and it becomes bigger or it shifts slightly or it, it increases, which allows more water in, which allows the crack to become bigger, which allows more water in, which soaks into your plasterboard and weakens it, which allows and more water comes in and that weakens further and more water comes in and the crack gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, allowing more and more and more and more and more water in until the whole fucking house is destroyed. And that's a positive feedback loop. Something happening that makes that something happening happen all the more. So that's exactly what I described there two seconds ago in relation to the incremental improvements with the podcast. I put this up there to five people to listen to and get no feedback. I put it up to ten people and one person gets back to me. I put it out to a hundred people, ten people get back to me. The more people that get back to me, the better it becomes, the more my confidence builds, the more I put up there, the more people listen, the more feedback I get. And it's just a, a relentless cycle of in that case improvements. But it can also like in the case of the leaking roof analogy, it can be a disimprovement. So the thing one thing to remember is a positive feedback loop isn't always positive. But again, that's such a it's such a broad topic, it nearly needs its own half hour. I mentioned yesterday, I think, about new people coming on. Uh, since then, I was chatting to a guy called Owen Colgan. Many of you may know Owen from his series that was on uh, RTE Hardy Books. Uh, he's a stand-up comedian, amongst other things. And again, I'm not overly familiar with Owen. Um, I know he's massively popular. I've been following on uh, Instagram and Facebook for a while, and some some of his stuff is just too funny. It really, really is. But what I like most about him is he's out there just doing it. He's out there doing his own thing. I've seen him do kind of, I suppose what you could call a lot of original stuff, just ideas, and he just he just seems to be himself. He's not this kind of tired, boring standard out of a factory stand up comedian that you you see so much of he he seems to have a i don't know an an edge to him but i don't want to get too deep into him because i appreciate that the majority of my audience aren't going to be that familiar with him so as always i want to be on relatively the same page as my audience when i'm talking to somebody so there's no point in me or at least i don't like the idea of me going down an own colgan shaped rabbit hole listening to a lot of interviews that he's done, reading whatever he's written, going through all his material, going to a couple of his shows and, and really getting a handle on, on him and then talking above and beyond people when I get him on. I want to talk to him from a point of ignorance, just like the people listening. But an interest, another interesting thing about Owen is he'd have quite the following. I think he's a hundred plus thousand people following him on Facebook. So that's a, that's a massive reach. Huge, colossal, enormous reach in comparison to what I'm talking. Like, Jesus, I've what 185 people following me on Facebook. So orders of magnitude more popular than than myself. But here's the interesting thing. My downloads for all the different episodes of the guests that I've done have all been there thereabouts, uh, the the same. And I was very excited about getting Anthony Murphy on because he is, I think, forty plus thousand people following him on Facebook, again, a colossal amount of people who are essentially hanging on your every word to a degree, and I was really excited, so as soon as I hit upload, I was, you know, <laughs> that 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 psychotic 
egotistical element of my being was, you know, refreshing the stats and refreshing the stats and Jesus, if I didn't refresh the stats, who'd refresh the stats? And, you know, how many people, how many eyeballs have I got? How many clicks has I got? How many downloads has I got? And that's a, that's a part of myself that I have to kind of really focus on and, and give a bit of attention to because I'm I'm far too hung up on, you know, how many people are downloading? How many people are listening? What's the completion rate? Are, are people listening to the end? And I've, a, I've a, an obsessive personality, I suppose, or at least part of my personality I'm an obsessive enough person so that partly explains it I have an ego like everybody else does so that's part of it but I, I really need to get a handle on it because it's it's getting a bit much the phone is in the hand and I'm refreshing far too fucking much far too much as I think we all do to to more or less the same degree but any, in any case Anthony's downloads weren't anything more than you know my mate Paller who isn't the public figure of of any description like most of the people that i've had on they're just they're they're regular guys like so it's just been interesting to me why anthony's one didn't have a a much bigger kind of hit rate and it would be just as interesting to see what owen's hit rate would be because the one of the beauties it's kind of a an unintentional bonus of sorts with regard to interviewing people or having conversations with people, every time you get a new guest on, you tap into all the people that they're going to attract. So I think I have something like 400 friends on Facebook, you know, friends and in, inverted commas. So when I posted my original couple of conversations onto Facebook, that was the pool of people that were exposed to it. But it was my friends and the friends of my guest. So every time I get on a new guest, you're kind of opening yourself up to a new audience to a degree, which is great. And again, that positive feedback loop with every new episode, obviously with a guest that comes on, you're you're feeding that and you're you're growing your your you know fan base or audience or listeners or whatever the the, the appropriate term there is for the for the people listening listeners probably. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's just been fascinating to me to to just follow the numbers. And it'll be very interesting to see um, if Owen comes on. He, he he asked me, was I around this week? So hopefully he will come on. And, because I've, this has happened before. People have said they come on. But, you know, shit happens. People are fucking busy. And it's not as if I have, uh, you know, a million listeners. And it's not as if I'm going to transform Owen Colgan's career as it would if he was to go on Joe Rogan. Like, I heard some fucking insane stat recently. I must double check it to, to verify it. But... And I might have even mentioned this already, and this is another thing. It's, it's hard for me to kind of recall what I have or haven't said, especially with these solo episodes. But did I hear recently that Joe Rogan has more listeners than CNN? And I'm, as I say that out loud, I'm, I'm kind of afraid that I may have mentioned it before, so I'm going to keep this very quick. Think about that. Some dude, which is all Joe Rogan is, he's not, you know, he's not... Uh, a corporation, he essentially is a probably a fucking one-man corporation now, but he's just some guy, granted he started out from a kind of semi-famous starting point, whereas I and others won't, or haven't. But I just think it's fascinating that one guy can can do that. And when I think about what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, the reception that it's getting, the thoughts of me having more listeners than RTE News, like, that's that to me... Isn't that, you know, 
off the wall, being perfectly honest with you. It really fucking isn't. Because there's there's a trend, I think, and long may it fucking last, and it's only a pity that it didn't start sooner. sooner. There's a trend to moving away from traditional media, such as RTE, because even RTE, they're, they're, they're using clickbait tactics, and they kind of have to. To keep their to keep their advertisers happy and to keep the whole fucking ball rolling and to keep that big wheel turning, they have to resort to all this kind of stuff because number one, their content isn't that great. Jesus Christ, have you watched some of the shows that they put out there? I mean, it's fucking. When when you see the talent that's in Ireland, like we all have mates who are just supremely talented at, at something or another, and to see the shit that RTE put out there, and don't get me wrong, it's not all bad, but a lot of it's bad. Most of the comedy stuff, especially, is just fucking horrendous. And I'd be very interested to get Owen's uh, opinion on that if and when he does come on. Because he'd have an inside... He's in that kind of entertainment loop. He's in the RTE loop. Whereas I and most of the listeners obviously aren't. So it'd be very interesting to hear what he has to say on the state of, you know, traditional media in Ireland and comedy and drama and, you know, everything else. So it would be great to get him on for, for that reason, if no other. Speaking of guests that I'm due to get on, Anthony rejoins me tomorrow evening. So that'll be up either tomorrow evening, most likely Tuesday morning. Put it this way, come come Tuesday lunchtime, it'll be up. So for those of you that are on the ball enough to be listening to the podcast on a daily basis and on a Sunday, let me know what you'd like to hear Anthony speak more about. Maybe you've got a specific question to ask him. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do this. Maybe in future I'll give people a heads up as to who I'm coming on and I'll put it out there, you know, what would you like to ask? Because that would be a good way in ensuring I don't miss any obvious questions that I, would, that I wouldn't miss if I had, you know, gone down each individual person's rabbit hole before they come on, which I don't intend to do. So put it this way. If two people ask me, you know, why does Anthony have bright pink hair? I go, oh, fuck, yeah, I never thought of asking him that. I'll ask him that. No, he doesn't, but you, you, you get the sentiment. I mean, put it this way, it's, it's already been said to me by a couple of people that did sooner hear, not sooner hear, but now that they've, I suppose, gotten to know Anthony a small bit, now they're really ready for the mythology. You know, they, they want to... They, they want the gist of it, if nothing else. Like he mentioned, you know, the Tuatha the Danann, the, who I think were ancient Irish gods, and uh, he refers to Newgranges, I think it's Sreed or Seed Nabroga, or, you know, there, thereabouts, that pronunciation. I didn't pull him up on what the fuck that was all about at the time, because again, I, I wanted to give the man time to fucking speak, and I don't want to be talking across people or, or interrupting them too much. I want... I want the conversations to have the flow that I think that they've been having, but like I, I don't, I don't even know what the hell that is. Is that just the Irish for Newgrange? Like, where, what does Newgrange mean, or where did that word even come from? Because again, we we only rediscovered Newgrange in whatever year it was, eighteen fifty or something like that. I don't even fucking know, but it was there about a hundred years ago, as far as I can remember. But I think there's a real appetite to find out a little bit more about our mythology, kind of broadly speaking. And again, I don't want him to spend two or three hours of just going on and on and on about Irish mythology. But I do want to give people a starting point, and myself a starting point, to let us go down our own respective rabbit holes and learn this stuff for ourselves. Because getting people on and just getting them to, to talk about people or talk about things is akin to going to school, sitting there, and the, you know the teacher talks. 
and you sit there and you try and absorb as much as you can but that's bollocks like that's that's education as opposed to learning if that makes sense and if ever there was a topic for me to do a, a solo podcast on it's it's education because the the way we the way we educate our kids and the way we've been educated it's just it's just wrong in so many ways it it might suit you know a few it certainly i don't think suits the majority but it's absolutely something that has to be revisited and has to be broken down and and changed and again the way to change it isn't to set up a new school and go right we've we've perfected how to uh teach people we've been working on it for the last number of years and here's the new model that's not how you do it you change what's there incremental improvements that's where it's at for everything not just you know your 40 day fucking lent challenge or trying to lose a bit of weight or starting a new starting to play an instrument or learn a language or meet new friends Mental improvements aren't just about that. It, they're about everything. It's how you fix anything. And the, the beauty of that is you can't bite off more than you can chew. Because that goes against the whole premise of you know taking baby steps and incremental improvements. And that's the problem I think that people have. They, they view something like capitalism and they say, no, no, we need, we need to change everything. We need to get rid, of, get rid of money for a start. Money is the root of all evil. We have to... Go back to uh, you know a, a barter system where we where we trade goods and services that we think have a certain value and and like all that all that's great, but where do you start? There's no starting point to that. In order to do that, you have to theoretically perfect how it's going to work and then try as best you can to implement it. But that that has never worked, to to my knowledge. Maybe it has. Maybe there's isolated incidents. Maybe I'm fucking wrong. Maybe I need to be fucking corrected. And th- that's brought me actually on to... What are we? 20 minutes in, it's brought me on to what I wanted to fucking talk about in the first place. Credibility. And uh, who you deem to be credible. And just to get one thing out of the way, first and foremost. I'm not overly credible. No, nobody, nobody, Nobody's perfectly credible. But you should view everybody with a massive amount of scepticism. You should be constantly trying to figure out what people's agendas are or might be, depending on what it is that they're saying. For example, you know, I remind people to that liking, reviewing, commenting, sharing, and subscribing. You know, that helps. That re- and it does. It genuinely does. It it it, it introduces me and, and the topics that I'm talking about and my guests to new people, which in turn introduces to new people. That positive feedback loop kicks in. But ask yourself, is is what this guy is doing and what he's saying, is that worthy of gaining a bit of momentum? Maybe there's a dangerous element to what I'm doing. Maybe I'm not aware of it. And that's what I mean about this idea of, of credibility. No, None of us are infallible. And anybody who tells you that you know they're right and they couldn't be wrong, anybody that, who is dogmatic about anything really, be fucking careful because that comes for a shite. But moving away from, from my own credibility, you have to check your sources. So to me, for a lot of people listening, I'm going to be a source of, of sorts. Another source that you're going to get are websites. And that brings me on to the credibility of websites, if there, if there is such a thing. But I was sent a, a link recently, and this, this, this happens to me all the time. And you know, some, Again, the, the, the people listening are going to be split between the people who have friends that won't read the stuff that they send them 
and the people who send them things and they can't understand how they ever could have sent them something from such a shitty source. So I got sent something recently and it was in relation to free will. And it was just such a classic clickbait example. The article itself was 100%. It was talking about a very specific thing in the free will debate that's basically been debunked. And the article was great. It was fantastic. But the headline was the free will debate is over or something to that effect. And it was it was misleading to, to say the very least. But I wasn't familiar with the website that it came from. Like the it was I can't remember what it was. It could have been the cut.com. And the cut.com I I haven't looked into it. It could be anything. It could be the most credible website in the world. I've no idea. But I hadn't heard of it, which is all which is always a bit of a a sign as to how credible it is. Which way that goes, I don't know. If you've heard of it, if you've heard of the website, odds are they've used clickbait to promote themselves. So that like being popular nearly loses your credibility to a certain degree. So the fact that it was an obscure website almost left lent credence to, to what it was saying. But it, but in that sense, that the name of the website, for this example being the com, isn't a perfect example. But I get sent other s- such articles from the truth is out there dot com and uh, you know euro mum and ah uh, oh, the the name of the website may as well be the contents of these web pages is complete bollocks dot com but people they don't seem to distinguish between you know a, a source that might be credible and a source that absolutely is incredible whatsoever but again getting away from from websites and sources of, of reading material. Just people. Because we've, we've all been wrong before. We've all been there. We've all, hopefully at least, had a time in our past where we believed something to be true and have since found that to be bullshit. But at the time, you didn't know it was bullshit. And I know I'm guilty of this, of really strongly putting forward, no, 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 this, this is absolutely the way it is. You know, trust me. And then finding out fucking six months or ten years later or whatever it was, that it was completely false. And there's no real way to inoculate yourself against this. There is no inoculation, say. But there are measures that you can put in place so that you don't catch the fucking full STD. And a way of doing that is trying as best you can to only obtain information from relatively credible sources. And even if it's not from credible sources... Try and get this. Try and get it from the source. So, if you're reading something and it's giving you, if the if the author, or if the writer of the article that you're reading, or the the guy that you're listening to or watching or whatever, is talking about someone else and how much of a bad person they are or how much of a good person they are, why are you listening? Why are you getting that information? You know, second hand. Google the guy he's talking about. And see if he's got a Facebook or an Instagram or a Twitter. And five minutes on that guy's page will give you an idea of, you know, where they're coming from. Now, people can be purposely misleading. But if they're purposely misleading, there'll be an article about how they're so purposely misleading. But I suppose that the point that I'm I'm labouring to make is you have to make up your own mind. In relation to how credible people are, in relation to how credible your sources are, in relation to how credible you are. 
like every every so often I I'll, I'll be chatting to someone and uh, they'll say something and I and it'll bring up a memory of something mental some something mad interesting here's one here's another tangible example for you I have it in my head that I've read that twenty thousand women were forcibly sterilized in the United States of America in I think it was the the 1920s say now these women were basically deemed unfit to procreate by the state someone put on their uber logical rational hat and said look these women these 20,000 women we've identified them as being from you know a poor economic background uh, low in intelligence and uh, on average they're having you know five kids and they're all growing up to be even poorer and less intelligent than their parents and this kind of has to stop so this is what we're going to do we're going to forcibly sterilize them so they can't have kids you know welcome to the 1920s so that might shed some light on what was going on in in germany in the 1920s because if that was happening in the states you can certainly understand i suppose how the holocaust happened not in the not too distant future in in germany we're, we're not long out of the trees, lads, and people fucking forget about that. But, and I, I that that thought came to mind, this figure of 20,000 people having been forced to be sterilised, and I haven't since verified that. So, you know, maybe if you have an interest, Google the shit out of it and get back to me. If you can find a credible source, or if you can find any kind of, any source for it at all being true, by all means, send it on. The email address, as always, is imoffthelead at gmail.com. Um... But the point that I'm, again, labouring to make is I don't read the sun or the star and I don't watch the news and I don't wa- I don't listen to radio, I don't watch television generally and I don't be on shitty EU mum websites. And I always try and only listen to relatively credible people. Not just some guy working for some paper who's only purpose in life is to generate clicks and keep his job which is essentially what journalism is these days or at least seems to be or at least has seems to have devolved into but the benefit of me not going to these spurious sources is that when a thought like that comes into my head the odds of it actually being true or at least partially true or at least true enough to repeat like maybe it was 2000 maybe it was 200 like the fucking the principle of the matter is is what's apparent, not the numbers. The numbers just compound it. Like the the difference between doing it to a hundred thousand people and two hundred thousand people isn't twice as bad. The different like doing it to one person is ninety nine percent as bad as you can get. Stacking up the numbers after that, you know, that's almost an aside. It's it's the principle of the matter that's so apparent. The point being though, that if you're going to uh, less than credible sources all the time you're building up a skewed reality essentially and if your sense of reality is skewed how the fuck are you ever supposed to you know kind of go forth and prosper so on that somewhat depressing note keep liking sharing commenting subscribing telling your friends starting the conversation keep the conversations going please by all means let me know let me know your thoughts just you know a, a fucking email to saying you know i'm enjoying it keep it up that kind of shit goes a long way and you're kind of you're you're really contributing and i've said this before and i really want to get this this kind of notion to catch on two things actually number one first and foremost that this is not just a podcast
And secondly, if you're only listening, you're missing the fucking point. You have to get engaged. You have, and by getting engaged, I don't mean that you have to, you know, share it online for the, share it online or like it or subscribe to it or, or any of that shit. You need to embody it. You need to live it. You need to make little changes, even if you're not telling people about what you're doing or who you're listening to or how you're getting on or how much you love it or hate it or whatever. You need to embody what it is that I'm talking about because if you're just listening to it, again, you're you're missing the whole point. So, as I kind of signed off yesterday almost accidentally, get up and get fucking after it. And I'll chat to you tomorrow.